Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly, and today I'm talking to Lisa Jacobs. Um, I Lisa Jacobs, when I first came across her incredible blogging when she was a road rider, but now she's doing something particularly weird, which is, as an Australian cyclocross rider. Lisa, how are you? <laughs> yeah, good, thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Lisa, tell us about cyc cyclocross. I think of mud, I think of rain, I think of misery, I think of, you know, uh, thousands of Belgians throwing beer and screaming in fields. I don't think <laughs> of Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think Melbourne? No, no. It's um, it's it's definitely a, a growing sport in Australia. So it's it's um, cyclocross has been around in Australia for probably the last five years or so. Mm -hmm. And each year, it's steadily getting um a, a larger community and and a, and a larger larger following. So we sent our first Australian team to the World Championships in um the 2014 champs in mm -hmm. Hugahati, and um. Oh, that's hilarious. Sorry, Hugahadi. I always get laughed at by my Belgian family about my <laughs> pronunciation of Hugahide because they say, Hardy, it's a girl's name. Yes. Why, why do you say Hugahide? Anyway, that's how we say it. Um, and then, yeah, ever since then, the, the Australian teams have grown and grown. So this year at the Champs in Zolda just gone, we had 11 Australian team members, which is, you know, the largest we've ever had. And so... Yeah, well, we, we don't have the history of somewhere like Belgium, but we're actually growing a pretty cool cross-culture. So, you know, our races are, uh, are pretty similar to some of the US-style races, so mm -hmm. they tend to be um, quite fast and grassy. Um, we don't get the, the mud that you get in Europe, but we definitely get some mud um, because we do have some sort of quite wet and cold places. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, when I think of Australian cross or I try to describe it to other people, I... I sort of describe it in terms of it being a grass crit. So it tends to be a really um, athletic, aerobic type of racing, whereas, you know, you compare that to the Belgian racing, which is really muddy and really technical. Yeah. Um, and then the other element that's really great about Australian cross is that it's really fun still. It, you know, it's in that wonderful stage in a sport where, um, you know, no, everyone appreciates that no one's very good at it. We have good athletes, <laughs> but we're not going to be winning world cups yeah. and just yet you know maybe that will come um and we've certainly got the talent to do it but it's a new skill set that everybody's learning so just the the training for for international cross race and setting up the course and getting out there and racing like there's there's this wonderful spirit amongst everyone who races that we're just there to have fun like we're not we don't have tickets on ourselves we don't think we're going you know we're, we're out there to um, with the with entitlements, we're just we're, we're out there for purely for the love of it, and I think that's mm. pretty special. Wow, Australians always seem to have that kind of fun approach to these things. Anyway, I mean, when we watch the road racing, it seems to be a bit more. Um, I don't know. It's that, that typically Aussie thing about yeah. Where yeah, I think Aussies, yeah, they're pretty good at it. <laughs> so, how did you find out about cross? I mean, because you were a road biker, weren't you? You, you were. I remember your forays. I was at the Turner Load where you had those fantastic blogs, and you were doing forays over to the uh, to the to the European races around your day job. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so my background is a, a road cyclist, and specifically a tour cyclist. Like that was my thing. Mm. So to go from that sort of multi-day stage racing to 45-minute sort of cross racing is pretty different. It's it's, it's required, you know, a, a big change in the type of rider I am and um, a big change in my preparation. But the, the way I got into cross was um, pretty much I'd 
I'd spent about five years racing at a very high level in, in road cycling and it was time for me to just to, to focus more on, on my work. I really enjoy my day job, which is, a, is as a lawyer, and um, I just recently started a new job that I really enjoyed and I wanted to spend a bit more time on it, and it wasn't really possible to do both. Like I appreciated mm. that it wasn't possible to give the time that I wanted to to my job and also do the, enough training hours to compete at the level I wanted to in road cycling. And it was kind of a natural progression, I think. Like I'd had a good time mm. on the road, but, it, you know, uh, I was happy to, to sort of move on to something different. And I'd started doing some work in sports governance. Like I'd been um, – I'd just been appointed to the Board of Cycling Australia and I was doing some work with the Athletes Commission on Cycling Australia. And mm. so all those time constraints meant less and less time for training on the road. And so – um, I had this kind of transition year where I'd gotten really run down and um, mostly through trying to, you know, at the start of year trying to do everything and, and train as well. And then I'd realised that I, it wasn't possible and I'd sort of stopped, stopped riding for a bit. And I, you know, I, I went and watched um, um, some racing and realised I, I really missed it. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I was doing a bit of mountain biking. I was training for Tour de Timor, which is a, a multi-day uh, mountain bike stage race and I being a roadie you sort of your, your your strengths are your in your aerobic fitness rather than your technical skills generally so I was doing as much riding on the dirt as I could to um, to improve my technical skills mm-hmm. and um, about the same time uh, Australia launched a national cyclocross series so that was the first year that they launched that was in 2012 and and pretty much I just thought it would be a good chance to spend a bit more time on the dirt. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, my wonderful sponsor at the time let me use a, um, a cross bike, which was just a really entry-level sort of aluminium cross bike that retailed, I think, for about $1,500 Australian dollars, which is about, I don't know, maybe 600 pounds or so. Mm-hmm. And um, so not, not a flash bike but something that got me around and I, I sort of picked it up the day before the first national round and, <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, yeah, Practiced a couple of dismounts in the in the alleyway by my house sort of <laughs> in the morning of the race, and then um, and then raced and loved it. And so that kind of started this this kind of feeling of oh, well, there's this new sport that's coming that's here, and and I really enjoy racing. And and you know it's a 45 minute race format, so it's a lot more achievable to train for around a regular day job. Yeah, um, and and it's just something different. Like it's so you know it offers a whole a whole lot of things that um, that previously road cycling, I guess, hadn't. Like, um, you know, you have to be very athletic as a, a cross rider because you you have to jump and run and shoulder your bike and and you know it kind of took me back to my days before cycling when I was a multi sport athlete mm-hmm. and you had to you know do all those other things as well and and I'd realised that I really enjoyed that variety and. Um, yeah, and I seem to be okay on it. So that's kind of how I got into it. Oh, yeah, you've been national champion ever since they've had a national champion in championships in Australia, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, uh, three times now, yeah. Are they going to basically be prying that jersey out of your cold, dead hands? <laughs> is that the yeah, Lisa Jacobs Is that the Lisa Jacobs jersey? <laughs> <laughs> Each year it gets, gets harder. I think, I, I, you know, it was absolutely probably the most special moment in my entire cycling career to win that national title for the first time. And it was so unexpected um, when it happened. And it started me on this wonderful journey and, and to win it 
I guess to win the national title three years in a row is a huge honour and something that, like, absolutely I don't take for granted. And you have to work pretty hard to, I think, to win any national title and I know it's not going to last forever. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it while I can, but I'm pretty mindful that there's some really good girls who are who are developing the sport and we saw some great, like, some of the Australians who came and raced um, over at Worlds had, you know, um, showed some really good development and we've got some... Um, some really good girls who who didn't go overseas who are racing domestically who give it a nudge as well. So yeah, mm. I think the the sport's in safe hands for sure. Yeah. So basically, when you're inspiring all those um, younger riders to think, actually, maybe I'll give cyclocross a go. She can do it. I can do it. Then you're 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 gonna yeah. Only to a point. <laughs> Not to the point where they nick your jersey. <laughs> no, I think you know, like I I always it's a really interesting um, question. Like when I. When I was a road cyclist, I remember spending a, um, a day at the Tour Down Under handing out flyers for, for talent identification programs. And it was essentially it was seeking, like, girls who were into cycling but who didn't race to be yeah. to come and test and be the next crop of elite riders. And, yeah. like, there's this kind of irony in handing out flyers to people so that they come and beat you. But, <laughs> but at the same time, like, I really f- firmly believe that, you know, if you're – if you're a national champion or if you are, you know, if you're wanting to be the best in a discipline or be a professional in your discipline, you you need to be the best of everyone. You can't just be the best of a small portion of people who know about your sport or who, or who rock up. You want to be the best of, like, my attitude's kind of like everyone should come and race cross and I would love for the sport to be so strong that, you know, that all the girls who are winning races now are getting thrashed on a regular basis. That would be a really good outcome. <laughs> and it would suck, yeah. like, for me personally, but, you know, it would be great. <laughs> it would actually be really good for the sport. Yeah, yeah. I think Mariana Voss says things like that as well. Like, she's, you know, you and Mariana Voss, you're very similar. Um, Mariana Voss says things like that about, you know, about when, when people go, oh, you know, it's got, it's got, it, the competition's got a lot harder. And she's like, yes, it's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the... Um, like I am absolutely no Mariana Vos, she's my hero. Um, but yeah, like when you, I, I've read a few articles with her as well, and and I think that attitude is fantastic. Like she's had a pretty hard year, and for her mm. to come out and go, you know, yeah, it's going to be really hard to come back to my form, and I don't know if I can if I can do it. But I, you know, how good is it that there's all these girls coming through? Yeah, that's pretty cool, isn't it? I think one of the reasons why I've always loved women's cycling is is the personality, you know, they've got the personalities and the kind of, and like, I think that's what you, you know, what you say about where cyclocross is in Australia, it feels like there's, you know, there's still a lot of room for personalities rather than just, you know, your cookie cutter stamps, you know, stamp out a load of boys and, you yeah. know, send them up the road. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like it's, um, and it's a sport that uh, like attracts some pretty, pretty tough nuts, I think. Like, uh, you know, especially... Mm. In Australia, we don't have any funding for our national team. So everyone who wants to go overseas and race um, as a professional or on the national team has to fund their own way. And so the people who do it are the people who are really determined, like they're going to find a way. You don't go overseas just because someone's given you an opportunity. You go overseas because you really, like, you've worked really hard for it and and you back yourself and you are willing to do the hard work to succeed. Like, it, it breeds a special type of person, I think. Yeah, but it also must be very weird because, you know, I mean, for British people, we just nip across the channel. You know, if you were still working in London, you just nip <laughs> yeah. across the channel, you just nip across the channel to races, you know, complain about the delay getting onto the <laughs> Euro tunnel and, oh, no, it took me half an hour more. But 
it, it's it must be particularly weird as well because obviously the standard of cyclocross in Belgium is so it's completely different to our domestic circuit. Do you know what I mean? And then mm. so to go from yeah. your domestic circuit, which is very very much you know very very new, what what's mm. that like for people? Yeah, like it's a it's a huge challenge, and I think it's not just that the standard is one thing. So. Um, you know, for example, to try and um, get more used to the international standard of racing. Um, in the last year, I've just started racing against the guys. So mm. at the, the club races, they'll put me in, or the, um, the state series races, they'll put me in with the, with the men, which means I get a bit more of an aggressive race and a bit more like the fields are larger and, and the racing's um, sort of a bit, a bit more um, like powerful, I guess, which kind of mm. replicates those international fields. But um, the other challenge that we have is just, yeah, the conditions are completely different. So, you know, you go to Europe and it's not just that everyone is really, really strong. It's also that the skill set. So in Europe, the type of mud that you get, you can't actually get that type of mud anywhere else. <laughs> like you certainly can't get it in Australia. Um, and our, our course conditions are typically dry and grassy and fast. Um, and, and we don't have, you know, for example, we don't have the ruts that you get in Belgium. Yeah. Um, we don't have the, the, that, those really boggy fields that are just sort of like kind of peanut butter type mud sort of, sort of riding. Like those mm. skills, you actually have to pick up on the fly when you go over, when you go over to Europe. And so that's a, that's an additional challenge that I suppose isn't so easy for Australians to get because you, the only way you can get them is by going over to Europe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I read your um, I read your Lisa's mum articles about the muds. Yeah. <laughs> your different kinds of muds. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was to keep me amused when I when I was overseas. Yeah, <laughs> I, I ran into a friend on the weekend, and and he was like, "Oh, look, it's it's really cool that um, I hear your mum's getting involved in in your website." And I was like, "Oh, you know that's not my mum, right?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, oh, I thought." Uh, I thought your mum was just being really supportive. I was like, oh, no, oh, no. Lisa's mum's got to do, do another disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, like, she used to – she's always turned up on your blog, um, Lisa's mum, as opposed to your mum. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's, like your, um, it's like your secret alter ego. Your, yeah, it's like it's right. like it's like that part of your brain that you your your inner child or something coming out to be sarcastic <laughs> and make some really funny blog posts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Saying things that I would never say. Yeah. <laughs> with the with the disclaimer, oh, that wasn't me. That was Lisa's mum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Do you get a good reception when you're out in Australia? Because I remember, I remember like um, Alex Revel, the Kiwi, got tons of love but that was partly to do with his enormous moustache and that's a little bit harder yeah. to replicate as a girl <laughs> I mean, yeah. do, do they like you do they appreciate it in belgium you mean yeah um yeah look i'm i'm really lucky in that i've got a um a wonderful uh sort of supporter base in belgium and i have a a pit crew um who are belgian who sort of um you know their friends are very supportive and i think Everyone in Belgium is kind of curious about Australians. Like uh, the first race that I um, I rocked up to in Belgium, and I just sort of won um, my first national title, and I rocked up to this little club race, I think, and nobody really looks at you. And then I took off um, my jacket, and, and I had the national stripes, um, national champion stripes there, and that was the moment when I realised how special cyclocross is for Belgians because. As soon as they saw a national champions jersey, 
they 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 really they have a lot of respect for it. For them, it's yeah. very special. And um, and you know, for a, a national champion to come from Australia in cyclocross, like everyone's kind of a bit, you know, half of them say, "Oh, I didn't realize you had cyclocross in Australia," which is a completely reasonable comment. And the other half, you know, are really curious about what it's like and and what the racing's like. And um, yeah, so you know, it's been really nice. Like, I think there's there's certainly a, a, a fair portion of Belgians who wonder why Australians bother and. <laughs> In, you know, in the nicest possible way because Belgians are pretty elitist, right? Yeah. Like it's such a – it's got such a rich history, that sport. But you either are an elite cyclocross racer or you go and watch cyclocross and there's no in-between. There's mm. no real development. There's no real grassroots racing. It's all about being the best. And if and because they're so good at it, if you're not a world champion or, or in the top ten of a World Cup, you're kind of a failure as a Belgian cyclocross rider. So yeah. for Australians to come – and um, be racing to finish on the lead lap, for example, um, which is a, a an achievement for an Australian. Like a lot of Belgians sort of go, oh, well, you know, you've come all this way. You've come all this way to come, you know, 30th. Why Why would you bother? But I guess that just kind of reflects their their history and where they are with their sport compared to ours. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. I've got like so many things I want to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I mean, it's interesting because, like, when I was watching the downhill mountain bike world um, world cup, uh, I think last uh, year before last in Cairns, for example, I was looking at it and going, "Oh my God, Cairns looks like an amazing place to have cyclocross." You know, it's got like all the things that we joke about. You know, stinging trees and, <laughs> and deadly spiders, and we've got to stop the course because there's a python on the course. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I guess I mean Australia is so huge that you can't like just have a, a round in Cairns, and you know, it's probably as expensive to you know to to go to a round in Cairns and around in Queensland and around in around in you know I don't know Blue Mountains or somewhere as it is to get across to Europe if you you know to do a <laughs> European block yeah look it's um it does get expensive we uh our national rounds double up so we'll have two rounds in a weekend mm-hmm. so that when people are if people have to fly somewhere then they at least get two races out of it but yeah, it's a you know it's a, it's a commitment to do that. Pretty much, you always have to fly for national rounds. But you know, in Victoria, which is where I live, um, the state where Melbourne is, is we have a great sort of local cross calendar. So I think this year we'll be able to do about twenty races in Victoria, which is for us is fantastic and means you don't you know we won't have to fly to those races. We'll be mm-hmm. able to drive, mm-hmm. um, and that'd be great. I think as an Australian, as an, and especially as an Australian athlete, flying long distances and paying stupid amounts of money for air travel is just kind of like that's the way we roll. Like, you know, you're just you're used to it. And mm. um, and I think like people are starting to appreciate how hard it is for Australians to come overseas, which I think is really cool. Um, but, it you know, you just kind of, you don't really give it a second thought that if you're an Australian, you're going, you are going to have to come up with a sleep plan, for example. So the physiologist that I work with has you know, draw me up like a um, a plan for, you know, time zone adjustment. So when you go over to the other side of the world, how you can reduce your jet lag a little mm. bit quicker than normal. And, you know, we have some little techniques, like we've, we've got sort of our plan for long-haul plane flights dialed and you, you just have to do that. They're just little extra things that you, as an Australian, you have to mm. have to put up with. But, yeah, it's no big deal. 
I mean, I was was really interested in the. There's a certain Aussie Aussie attitude, not kamikaze, because that kind of implies that you're not, you know. But there's a certain Aussie attitude that that comes with. Yeah, I'm really committed to this. <laughs> Do you know? You see it in all the different disciplines that that the Aussies are just, you know, that, that you've given up so much to do it like even if you're not racing the full season you've given up a ton to get there so you're like right yeah bring it yeah yeah I think that's that's fair like I think every every athlete makes huge uh, invests a huge amount of themselves in in racing and um yeah like I, I guess I'm pretty proud of of the Australian spirit and the cross racers um who have come overseas like definitely have that spirit like um one of my friends chris aitken who's our under 23 national champion um came over to his first european season um this year and he flew into um the french world cup down in lignier on berry mm. and i i had just flown in and i caught up with him before the race and i was like right who's doing your pit crew and he's like oh I'm, i don't really have anyone i'll just put the bike in the pits and and if I, you know, if I need to, I just go and grab it. Because that's what you do in Australia. Like, you don't really even use the pits because we don't have it. It's not yeah. muddy enough. And so occasionally you'll put a wheel in there, but really they're desolate, empty places. And he was just like, no, no, I'll be fine. I'll, I don't, you know, don't need it. And I was like, oh, no, man, you like, this is Belgium. You need guys in the pits with, you know, who have your back you need to have sort of all this and we, we sort of met with a pit crew Aww. and but it was this fantastic attitude of nah I'm here and I don't have the best like I don't have huge resources and I don't have the 10 sets of wheels that all the Belgians do and I'm just here by myself but man what an adventure and that was his attitude and it was this like it was such a a wonderful insight for me into just that pure enjoyment of racing and why people do it and I thought that was, yeah, that's that's pretty special. Like that attitude I think um, I'm pretty proud of. Yeah. It must be hard to kind of do all of that. And then like you said, you had a difficult season and, you know, your January was difficult and Worlds, you know, was Worlds was difficult. It, it's so <laughs> nice. It's so nice that you've still got that. Because I was worried about you because it's like, God, it must be triply hard when you've given up so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, it's it was a hugely disappointing season. Like I... Um, yeah, I'd put a lot of preparation into it, like a, a solid year of preparation. And I had a really clear goal of um, getting a top 20. And I'd really done everything during the year to work towards that goal. I was really optimistic about being able to um, being able to achieve it. And then for it to go, for things to go wrong and just like just a few things sort of went wrong. Like I, you know, got a bit run down, I got iron deficient and then it took me a while to get over that. And then I got sick just like a two days before world champ, like all those things that, you know, mm. just little things kind of go wrong and make a big difference. It was disappointing, but, you know, like it's at the same time, it's not, I never look at uh, my preparation, I suppose, as a sacrifice. I, I always look at it as, as something I want to do. Like as long as I'm always doing exactly what I want to do in life at the time, then, you know, even you have disappointing races and disappointing seasons, but, the year wasn't a disappointment. Like the year was fantastic, and the preparation and the strategy that goes into preparing for a season or an event like that is something I really enjoy. And so, right now, like I'm absolutely taking some time to recover. And I suppose because it wasn't a um, a great trip for me, and there was a lot of disappointment, it's probably taking me a little bit longer to 
um, to come out of that than I would normally normally do. But, you know, it's it doesn't mean that, like, I feel that the whole year was a write-off or that, um, or that I never want to ride my cross bike again. It just means that I've just got to work out how to make sure that things don't go wrong again, that's all. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was so gutted for you that you didn't get to finish world. So it's just like, Oh God. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Like it was, um, you know, it's that kind of stuff is always really disappointing, but at the same time, it's only a bike race and it's, it was a disappointing day, but that was kind of marked the end of a disappointing period where mm-hmm. a lot of things hadn't gone right. And so, you know, um, sometimes you've just got to draw a line under it and go, well, it's a bike race, it hasn't worked, take an objective view, don't get caught up in it too much emotionally and just move on. And really, you know, like I, it was really nice to get all the messages of support, but probably coming home the hardest thing was everyone just telling me how disappointed I must be. <laughs> it was oh. kind, of like, kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I wasn't, I was sort of thinking I was okay, but now you mention it, yeah. <laughs> That was really bad, wasn't it? <laughs> when the pressure, when the when when the pressure to feel bad is worse than the pressure to feel happy. Yeah, yeah, oh. that's right. Yeah, and and um, yeah. So you'd be like, oh, you know, it's, yeah, it's disappointing, but you know, um, that's fine. It's just a bad day. Like, oh, but you put so much work into it. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And you gave up so much. Yeah, yeah. And you've got no one you'll leave for like a year. (laughs) And you're just like, okay, okay. One of the things I reason I, you know, really like you as a writer is that you were blogging about that in January about, about how hard it was as well. You know what I mean? It wasn't like pretending it was all sweetness and light and, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm glad. Yeah, like I um, I think I spent a long time and I've read a lot of accounts from other athletes over the years where they do put a completely, you know, happy face on it. And mm. I know over the years I've put a – I've sugar-coated stuff that wasn't great, um, like, you know, in terms of having a really tough trip or a really tough race and you'll kind of – you'll – you'll sugarcoat it because you think that's the right thing to do. But sometimes it's important to acknowledge that things go wrong and that it's just a thing that's gone wrong. It's not you. There's just stuff that happens and Mm. that's life. And Mm. um, actually one of the things that I was thinking about when I was writing that stuff is um, Simon Gerrans, who's, you know, one of our Australian professional male writers on Green Edge and probably, you know, one of the most well-known Australian professional cyclists, um, I was um, at a talk that he was giving. He was giving a little while ago, and he just had a terrible season. Um, I think it was just before I went to Belgium. It must have been, and it was one of those corporate rides that he came and you know rides around with people, and and then there's a little talk at the end. Mm. And he was describing. Um, it was the second one I'd, I'd sort of seen him talk at, and that both of them were him having having sort of coming onto the back of terrible seasons or or coming out of things that had happened and then later on things had gone right but but absolutely like the majority of the season had been an absolute nightmare for him. Like, mm. you know, he'd broken a leg in a tour right before a world champs he wanted to yeah, be. Yeah. Or, um, you know, this season he'd just come back into form and then he'd, you know, broke his wrist at the first race back up out of injury and 
And he was just sort of saying, look, this was my season. This happened, this happened, and this was really bad. And this took a long time to get over. And this is how I did it. And then I had to refocus onto this. And he was really clinical about it. And he took all the emotion out of it. And I think one of the one of the challenges of an elite athlete is that your sport is your life. There's so much emotion and it's such a people talk about the roller coaster and it's just it's absolutely a roller coaster. And you you know, you can get really caught up on the on that roller coaster ride. And the people, the athletes who I look up to are the ones who don't get too caught up in the highs and don't caught, get too caught up in the lows. They just they deal with, you know, setbacks clinically and they treat, you know, successes sort of they appreciate them, but they treat them reasonably clinically as well. And and I I really sort of that I took a lot away from Simon's reflections on a terrible season and thought yeah, okay, so this can be – it's okay if to say that this was a terrible season or this was a, a trip where things didn't go well. It's o- it's okay because it doesn't mean that you're terrible. It just means that, you know, you've got a few things to change and that you're going to come back stronger. But you can't ignore it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's nice to see a little bit behind the curtain. Do you know what I mean? Even though yeah. it's a, even though you're putting up a constructed message, blah, 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 blah. It's just nice to see that. That you oh, know the, yeah. the kind of you know the doubt the, the the whole the whole thing you know yeah, yeah. well you should have been inside my head though <laughs> I was gonna say does it help does blogging has blog does blogging help you like work through some of that oh yeah absolutely so um, I love writing and I love creative writing and so Lisa's mum who yeah we were talking about before she came out when I was really at a low point over there. Mm. So, you know, I was feeling really socially isolated and, and I, I was sick and, you know, just nothing. I wasn't ra- ra- racing, racing well and just, you know, I was trying to find uh, things to, to ways to feel happy and I found, you know, that writing was something I hadn't done in a while and I just started writing and it just made me feel a lot better and I thought, oh, yeah, this is this is kind of therapy for me. I've got to – so Lisa's mum started coming out and commentating on a few things and that was, that was you know, part of my therapy, part of how I dealt with it, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It must be so strange. It must be so strange because, I mean, your day job, you're a corporate commercial lawyer. Law, a law job isn't like one of those kind of, I don't know, it's, it, it's not like it's like when I go out temping, you know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's, yeah. a, proper, it's a proper career. I don't think you should you should talk yourself down. No, no, no. But you know what I mean. It's a job that you know. For some people, getting to be a lawyer is like a goal in itself. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, oh my God, you go to law school and then you're a lawyer, <laughs> and it and and that must be an interesting thing to kind of you know to, to have a company that will let you take off this like what month and a half, two months. <laughs> yeah, month and a half. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm lucky for sure. Like, a, um, I I do a bit of work when I go overseas, so. When I was in Belgium, I was working around one day a week, mm-hmm. which and, and I tend to do that whenever I, I do overseas blocks. But this was by far the longest that I've taken. Um, so usually the time I take off will be um, between one and three weeks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I'm I'm absolutely fortunate to do what I do, and I think like you know I think every day I I consider myself really lucky because I'm in a I'm doing a job that I love that's really challenging and and sort of really fulfilling and then I get to um, ride bikes to a level that you know I I never even sort of dreamt that I'd be able to do and so um, yeah being able to combine it is an absolute privilege like uh, it's not easy like I think the 
uh, we were sort of talking before before we started about a knife, the knife edge that that is kind of necessary to live on when you when you work full time in, mm. in what can be quite a stressful job, um, and then also when you're pushing your body to the limit at the same time, and and absolutely it's it's not a balance that I get right um, all the time, and um, when I've got like very little room for error, so. Um, when things go wrong, they tend to go like pretty wrong. So when I uh, when I get sick or when I get fatigued or fall into a hole, for example, what would normally take a, a full-time athlete maybe a week to get out of would pay, take me probably four weeks to get out of. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be doubly careful to watch all those signs of fatigue or overtraining to make sure that I don't fall into those holes. But... Um, but yeah, that's just kind of part and parcel, I guess. That's sort of yeah, you 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 appreciate that you're going to have a lot of bad races. Um, I think that's probably the the biggest um, thing I've had to learn to accept, and that you um, your peaks are uh, your windows that where you peak are smaller. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, like I I for sure um, I have some absolutely terrible races because a lot of t- the time in the year especially if I'm preparing for overseas races, I'll be training in the week fatigued and I'll be racing fatigued. And, you know, you don't tend to get to go very well when you're doing that. You don't feel very good, but you know, you know, you just, you know that it's that at the time when you need to be firing, you're, you're going to be firing. You just have Mm -hmm. to be a little bit more organized about when that is. Yeah. I mean, that's a cyclocross thing anyway, isn't it? Like, it's been interesting with people talking about, you know, Santa Camp, for example, being dominant all season, but not being able to pull it together for Worlds or riders who particularly pee for particular races, it's, mm. it, seems, it seems like it must be even more complicated doing it when it's your whole life. <laughs> My life is peaking this week. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so, it's so fickle, right? It's so hard to get right that I, I think it's really nice to be able to focus on something else and switch off. Like yeah. I, yeah. the few times that I've tried to be a full-time athlete, I have absolutely sucked at it. And it's because I just have too much spare time on my hands. Like yeah. I, you know, I need that distraction so that I go to work and nobody cares what my um, threshold power is or what intervals I did that morning. They care about whether their contract's ready. Yeah. And yeah. and I kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess when you turn up to race or whatever, no one gives a damn that you've had a, I don't know, that you've had a big success or a big, or a big challenging time at work or whatever. It's just like, yeah, how's your riding? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. Uh, speaking of having too much time on your hands, you mentioned that you were part of the cycling. You were on the Cycling Australia Athletes Commission. Are you still doing that, or is that something that you've put to one side? Um, no, I've had to put it to one side. Um, that and the director role. I, it that both were great, and I particularly enjoyed and the Athletes Commission working with this. Um, a, a group of really talented individuals who are so committed and so talented um, for 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 what we wanted to achieve, which is improving athlete welfare. But mm. um, the I, I guess uh, it, it was a role that demanded a lot of my time, and um, it it was also you know I did the role for two years, and um, CA during that time underwent some. Um, significant changes and has been facing some some pretty big challenges of its own yeah. and um, in the sort of the last year 
their 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 main challenges, the organisation's main challenges, were um, were I guess had to be their primary focus, and those yeah, challenges yeah. didn't involve um, athlete commission issues. Yeah. And so, yeah, they had some pretty serious financial problems, didn't they? And they did, yeah, yeah, and um, and you know they're they're coming out of it, and the sport's going to be better for it. But um, for us, it meant that we were spending a lot of time on initiatives that. Um, that unfortunately CA didn't have the capacity or resources to implement or to support. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, for me at a time when I realised that I've got this window to to give Cross a crack and that, that window is not going to last forever and and with work as well, it just, it was all too, like I couldn't do everything. And so, um, yeah, I thought I'd, I'll, I have to focus on work because that that pays, pays the bills. <laughs> <laughs> and my um my my mortgage demands it, but uh, and for cross, you know, that's something that I'm only going to do for a limited time. So, you know, I'd love to go back and do some more work in sports governance, but that'll have to be after my cross career, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some amazing people. I mean, I think I was wondering whether being in Victoria makes a difference to things like cyclocross because you know I, I'm, I'm a friend of Monique Hanley who's on the board of Cycling Victoria and you know yeah. there always seems to be some really interesting it seems to be like a really interesting hotbed of cycling fun you know what I mean it is absolutely and you know for a for a state that has the worst weather in the world <laughs> I with the exception of Belgium I, 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 it, it's got a massive cycling culture it's amazing there's there's so much that starts in Melbourne and there's a really nice attitude of, of people in Melbourne. It's quite a progressive attitude and, and Cycling Victoria and Monique has done a fantastic job in advancing um, sort of women's cycling. But cycling across the board, um, across all disciplines and in cyclocross as well, um, has just been really well supported by CV. So it means there's a lot more opportunities for us to, to, to be racing. And, you know, cyclocross in Australia started in Melbourne um, there was a by by a group of guys who just wanted to put on some races, mm-hmm. and that was you know that was quite a few years ago now. But that's kind of where it all started, and yeah, it's it's a great place to be to be a cyclist. Yeah, it's amazing. So if you had some advice for any um any I don't know not just Aussies but people who are like in a cyclo in a place with like an emergent cyclocross culture or wants to start off and they're not you know fourteen year olds in Belgium. What, what, or, or the Netherlands, I guess, for women's cycling. What advice would you give them? Um, yeah, look, I, I think um, the great thing about cyclocross is that it's challenging in every aspect, right? But that means that they'll, for your own particular skill set, there will be part of cyclocross that will really suit you. So, you know, if you're a roadie, you'll really benefit from those long, open, pedally sections. And if you're a mountain biker, you'll really, um, you'll really come into your own in the technical twisty bits in the corners and stuff. And so, um, you know, if you're a beginner, I think when I talk to women particularly starting on cyclocross, they just the first thing they say is, oh, that just looks so hard. It looks so I don't know where to begin. And the first thing I think is just to remember that there's the course is – tests every part of you and Mm. so there'll be a part that suits you there'll be a part that doesn't that doesn't suit someone else that will suit you and so you've got to sort of go into it with an open mind knowing that that there'll be a there'll be something there that that suits your skill set um but I guess the other like if you you know my advice to budding kind of serious cross races um and I suppose 
I'm probably in a good position to give um, to give some advice on this front because that's kind of what I am. Like, I'm starting with very limited, uh, like a, a limited knowledge base, but with all these fantastic people around me who are willing to learn stuff. It's, you know, you've got to be, you can be really strategic about um, building your strengths. Mm. And, you know, for me, as a, uh, a roadie, I spent, and a, and a hill climbing GC riding roadie, I, you would not get me in a gym doing weights if you tried. Like <laughs> I, I would be far, far away um, <laughs> rather than doing that. And now I'm in the gym like two or three times a week doing heavy weights and doing like um, sort of at some stage, like at some sort of particular stage of the year, I'll be doing like a track sprinters type weight program. <laughs> wow. And, <laughs> Yeah, and like not for very long and, and definitely not the weights that they do. But, you know, that's because um, that kind of explosiveness is not a natural aptitude of mine. It's something I, I really have to work on. And so if you're, if you're new to Christ, you've got to, you've got to start thinking about all those things that you can do to make you faster that you haven't done before. So, you know, that gym work or practicing your mounts and dismounts and doing video analysis and going back and and kind of slowing things down and freeze framing and working out where you're putting your hand on the top tube when you when you unclip and things like that. There's so many little little things you can unpack in cross that that can help you improve. Like it's really quite inspiring. Like you know, if someone told you that you could get um, five seconds per lap, you know, for free, you'd take it right out, yeah. out of a five out of five or six minute lap, and yeah. you could do that just by making. If you have to dismount. Um, sort of three times in a lap, and each lap, each dismount, you could, you know, each dismount and mount, you could save a second or, or a half a second here or half a second there. That could add up to five seconds a lap, and that, you know, which over the course of the race might be like, you know, thirty or forty seconds. And that's a, you know, you can you can get huge marginal gains by by only sort of tweaking your things or working on things in a really small way and I really like that. So I think, yeah, for budding cyclocross um, sort of athletes, it would be get into the gym and, yeah, work on just just unpack what cross is and work on each little aspect. Wow. Yeah. It, oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> will, you be back uh-huh. next, will you be back Will you be back? for a 2016 season? Yeah, look, I'd, I'd love to. Um, I've, I've been planning um, the season now and we're about to start our domestic season. So, um because of course we're upside down from everywhere, everyone yeah, yeah, else. So yeah. we start our national season in May, and we have our national champs in August. So I'll, my plan is to go overseas for the first two World Cups in the states, um, and then hopefully head over to China and Japan because they both have fantastic um, seasons there. And I did the um, the Rafa Supercross in Nobuyama um, last November, I think, which was just a, an awesome trip so I want to go back there and and then head over to Belgium um for Luxembourg which is where world champs are next year mm. but probably a, a shorter trip so I won't be able to get that much time off work again so it'll probably be a three-week trip rather than a rather than a six-week trip yeah oh my god it's so exciting and of course your sponsors are Rafa Focus they're your they're your team yeah. sponsor right they're your t- well that's that's who you, who you ride for isn't it yeah, yeah, absolutely, and they're and they're amazing. Like, um, they they have really helped um, with all my cross plans. So, pretty much, um, Rafa have 
and Focus as well have gotten have both gotten behind Cross. Um, if it wasn't wasn't for them, there's no way I'd be able to. Um, I think do the schedule that I'm doing. Um, but I also get great support. Like there's, you know, uh, Curve Cycling who do some fantastic carbon uh, cross wheels and um, and SRAM as well. We have their their great Force One groups that are fantastic as well. And I've got, yeah, and a, and a few other people who who have my back. Um, who I'm really grateful to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think, yeah, as, as a cross rider, like, you know, it's pretty different to a, a road team where you have team sponsors and, and there's a there's a, a team management and all that sort of stuff. With a cross, ride, cross racing, you, you're very much kind of um, autonomous, I guess, and so the support of sponsors makes a huge difference. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. It's so much fun. And so when people want to follow your adventures, they can follow you on your on your blog where you're ridehappy.com.au and yeah. you're LJ Ride Happy on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then if anyone else wants to like get in touch with you, you're on Facebook. They should all everyone should follow Lisa. She's fantastic and very funny. <laughs> and and sometimes not very funny. You know, sometimes when you're not being funny, you're being funny about it all going horribly wrong. <laughs> Yeah, and so no. they can see your life there excellent yeah yeah no thank you oh well thank you for your time and mad massive good luck and i just can't wait to see you know good luck keeping the jersey um you know oh I, thank you i yeah. hope you fight no, them off tough, yeah. yeah that's right i've got a few months yet yeah, I was just going to say, um, when, when we first heard about cyclocross in Australia, we were all joking about, you know, crocs and um, <laughs> spiders and, you know, courses where, you know, you don't need mud because you're kind of cycling through deadly animals. Um, what's, the, what's, the, what's, the, um, what's the most Australian thing you've ever done on a cyclocross course? Oh, look, that's a, uh, that's a really good question. We did this roundup in Queensland early last year, which had us like we had to run through this creek and it was this gross like sort of this massive sort of um leech infested creek <laughs> and then we 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 finished and the organizers were like oh just just check yourself for ticks um <laughs> before you go home and we're all like what, what? you know you're just joking but no it was because this particular area is just amongst all the deadly animals that that they had up in Queensland, these little ticks that um, were actually quite, you know, one of the worst of them. And because we were running through creeks, um, <laughs> there was a high probability that somebody along the line would pick up pick up one of these ticks. Oh my so god! That was pretty Australian. But um, <laughs> we do <laughs> we do have good beer hand ups at the right races. Right. That can also yeah, which I think um, we picked up from the from the Americans. But yeah, I'll happily claim that as Australian. <laughs> Excellent. Well, have a massively good season, and I hope yeah, you, I hope, you. The, hope the recovery goes well. And good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. To get the links to everything we talked about today, including how to find out more about cyclocross in Australia, go to my blog prowomenscycling.com, and you'll find everything there. I'm funded to do these interviews thanks to my wonderful Patreon supporters who give me from as little as £1.50 or $2 a month to make cycling content. So thank you so much to them. And if you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com slash women's cycling. Thank you.